This is Two Guys in a River. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. We're two lifelong friends who love fly fishing for trout. Our podcast is all about helping you catch more fish and deepening your love of the time you spend on the river. We are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. Whenever we hike up the Yellowstone River from Tower Fall in Yellowstone National Park, the trail climbs steadily for a ways, and then we top out on a plateau that goes a quarter of a mile. You remember which one I'm talking about, Dave? I do. I do, I do. Yeah, the trail on that plateau is flat. There is zero elevation gain whatsoever for yeah, about that quarter of a mile. That's yeah, about a quarter of a mile. And you can't climb any higher when you're on a plateau. And frankly, fly fishing is like that. Sometimes, as a fly fisher, you hit plateaus. You keep going and going, but you're not making any upward progress. You're staying at the same level. And today we're going to talk about those fly fishing plateaus, uh, what they are, and how you can break out of them and climb to the next level. Dave, let's begin by describing a plateau that we've experienced. Well, a life plateau can be positive or negative. You see this in working out, right? You, you make progress and then you stop. You hit a plateau or if you're trying to lose weight, you lose weight and then all of a sudden... You plateau. And, and and so it can be both positive and negative. Right. And as we talk about fly fishing, um, I always want to be, I mean, just personally, I always want to be growing. But there yeah. are times in which I find myself on a plateau. I'm not growing. And frankly, I can either get bored or I can even get frustrated. Right? Yeah. Yep. I don't know mm-hmm. if you've ever felt that way. It's that moment in your yeah. fly fishing life when you say, you know what? I don't feel like I'm getting any better. And I'm simply doing the same thing, and, and it's making me frustrated. And sometimes it's really subtle. And yeah. I, I just think that it, that hitting these plateaus are important to recognize. Right? Yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. I, I felt that a few years ago when our, when our catch rate seemed to stall. I mean, usually when you and I fish, we... Uh, you know, we go on a four or five day trip. We, we have a stellar day every so often, usually once a trip. But there was a couple years where it felt like uh, I couldn't reduplicate some of those terrific days right, that we I had. Right, we had four days. And- yeah, and on the same stretch as a river where, boy, last year we caught 20 apiece, you know, big rainbows in this stretch on the bear trap. And then uh, the, the next year, after, after about three years of consistent fishing, it's like, well, all of a sudden it's just not like it was and we yeah then we go back the next year and it was that same way and yeah I know what you're saying that can be very frustrating so Dave what are some of the kinds of plateaus that that we face as fly fishers well certainly one of them is just simple skill and last year we fished with a guide for one day and we were fishing a bigger river there was some wind and instead of being able to go from right to left in terms of your casting, we had to fish, in a sense, from left to right over our right shoulder. And it was just a little bit more difficult to fish. And I realized in that moment that I had been at a plateau in my casting. And, and so there's different types of you know, skills that you can plateau at. One is obviously casting. Another one is line control fly selection, just being able to read the river, mm-hmm. and even types of fishing. Like, you know, you reach a plateau in terms of your nymph fishing or your dry fly fishing, or maybe it's just streamers or trout only or 
bass only or carp only. I mean, yeah. there are all mm-hmm. these different plateaus where you, you hit where you're only fishing trout and you want to try something different. But I just think there's different types of plateaus and definitely skill level plateaus are are one of the one of the first that we look that at. That is that is a big one. I know. What I've, about I've others? S- I've sensed the same thing. Well, another I think I've already alluded to that would be the fish catching plateaus where uh, you you realize I'm I'm just not. Uh, I'm kind of going out every time. I'm getting a few fish, but I'm, I'm not having a real uh, stellar day. It's not like I figured out how to catch more fish. And and that may have a lot to do with water conditions, which affect insect hatches, which affect feeding patterns, but it can be frustrating. So skill level plateaus, fish catching plateaus, uh, any others? I think this one probably summarizes the other two is there there can be an emotional plateau oh yeah good point this is probably a byproduct of the first two when you're on a plateau you feel it or sometimes you don't really understand what's going on but you're not as eager to get out on the river or you're ready to quit earlier than Mm -hmm. you would normally or maybe you said you know i'm just not going to get out right you know and you don't feel that surging joy and satisfaction and all that's left to do is head to the steakhouse, which is what we do a lot. It's a good way to deal with those emotional plateaus, isn't it? <laughs> Eating is all emotions, isn't it, girlfriend? Oh, man, I know. <laughs> but just a side note, I think that's really something to notice, right? If Sometimes an emotional plateau may be about something other than just fly fishing, right? Well, that's you, a good point. If you find yeah. no joy or just complete boredom in something that you previously really enjoyed and, and brought you great joy, man, perhaps something else is going on in your life no i'm no therapist or i don't play one on tv but i do think that if you find yourself being bored with the sport sometimes you've hit these plateaus but maybe it's something else that's going on in your life yeah that's a good point so besides going to the steakhouse uh, after at the end of the day how else do you break out of these plateaus what what can you do again there's some things that maybe out of your control water conditions other factors but how do you break out of a plateau? What are some things we can do? I think it be it starts with going back up the learning curve. And that's hard to do because you're starting out as a newbie on something. So, for example, uh, through some of our listeners who were continually talking about Euronymphing, I picked up this new book on Euronymphing. I think it's called it – might be just called Euronymphing. But it's this big – it's like a yeah. – it's like a – it's like a um, – what am I trying to say? Like a – not a counter book, but a coffee table. Oh yeah, book. yeah, yeah. It's like this big yes. book, mm-hmm. and and I, I I really went through it this summer and really read the book. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. videos yeah. are good, but I read the book. Yeah. And so I I started practicing Euro nymphing. And man, when you first start out on yeah. something like that, you're just back to the newbie, and there is that level of frustration. But I do think breaking out a plateau begins by or can start with trying something completely new and beginning that learning curve again. You're good at this, Dave, and it is kind of an inspiration to me because I easily get stuck in a rut. I just, you know, I get comfortable doing the same thing, and if, if there's a modicum of success, well, why yeah, why change? You know, why change up? And uh, uh, so, yeah, I, I appreciate that about you. You know, you just said, too, about... Uh, the book that you read reminds me of another way to break out of a plateau. It seems so simple, but it's it's doing some reading. And now again, if you're not a, a reader, you can pick up some of that information by watching a video or 
you know, any, any way, any new way of, of acquiring uh, knowledge, some additional skills. But uh, I, I think reading can inspire you to try something new. You read that Euro Nymphing book. Uh, for me, a couple years ago, I read uh, Yellowstone Runners by Chester Allen. And that was the impetus for saying, hey, why don't we go fish the Madison River? Huh, I didn't know that. Yeah, just above Hebgen Lake. And, and it's just a good read. It's a fly fisher. I think he's from the West Coast. And he he's come over like for, oh, my goodness, maybe two decades, maybe longer. He's about our age, I think. Mid fifties, maybe a little young, yeah, maybe even a little younger, really young. But he's come over every year to fish, and he he just talks about that, and and that got me thinking. You know, it's been a long time since I fished Baker's Hole, uh, just outside you know, West Yellowstone, and so that that was kind of an impetus for huh, doing something really new. So that was a great experience. We yeah. both caught some really heavy yep. fish last fall. So yeah, trying something new, and then maybe that'll even be spurred on by. Uh, by doing some reading, a couple ways of breaking out of a plateau. What else, Dave? We talk about this all the time, but it's it's trying new water. Again, it's hard to do this, right? Because you want to go to the place you know you've catch fish or you've caught fish in the past. And we've done this a lot. Yeah. Like in the Minnesota Driftless, we've tried Wiseau Creek, which we think was Wiseau Creek, may have been a different creek. Yeah. Uh, the Little Jordan. Um, you know, out in in uh, in the Minnesota Driftless, different creeks in the Wisconsin Driftless that we've tried mm-hmm. that are new, the Missouri River in 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 the West, Fan Creek, you know, and that yep. that valley there from Big Sky to to uh, West Yellowstone, right. Taylor Fork, which comes out of there. We've tried Willow Creek, which that near is that near Big Fork? Yeah, it's not that far from yeah, uh, yeah from actually from Three Forks. Yeah, Montana. from Three Forks. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. the Boulder. I mean, all these things are new. Yeah, uh, you know, they become part of our staple. But at one point, they were new places right. to fish. Yeah, right, they were. Well, before we continue our discussion, here's a brief word about our sponsor, Doctor Squatch Soap Company. Hey, Steve, do you know that I am looking forward to Christmas this year? Really? Why is that, Dave? Because for the first time, I have a really great gift idea for all the guys in my family. We have a lot of guys. The Fly Fisher's Book of Lists. Oh, that wonderful book that you and I wrote in uh, 2017. Yeah. I guess that was so last year, though, right? That is so last year. This no, year. It's Dr. Squatch Men's Soap. Oh, yeah. It's great. And what I like, too, is they have some gift boxes. You can get a gift box of uh, uh, soaps or a gift box that has a shave kit. Uh, this is the subtle way to say this holiday season, you stink. <laughs> <laughs> well, my guess is when they open it up, their face will fall. They'll kind of give that old, oh, this is really great, and think, what did you just give me? Yeah. But the moment they oh, use Dr. Squatch soap, they will be hooked. If they love it as much as we do, it really is terrific stuff. So go to drsquatch.com, put in the promo code two guys and receive 20% off your first order. That's the number two with the word guys. Do it today. Another way is to go to much smaller water than you normally fish, like something that's really tiny. Maybe you get some different, I know, a smaller fly rod, maybe get a seven and a half, two, you know, or three weight. Yeah. Something Mm -hmm. like that. Sure. Or you fish bigger rivers, get a 10 foot, eight eight weight or a nine foot, eight weight, fish some for some bigger fish. Mm -hmm. Um, now, you did something recently, well, it was a couple years ago, you went, 
you went up and fished the Milwaukee River for salmon yeah, in the fall. Yeah, that's right. Got that really nice yeah. salmon. That was a big salmon. Yeah, it was. So stuff like that, I think, really yeah. breaks you out of the routine. And again, it does take a modicum of of initiative yeah. to, to do it, but it really can help you snap out of a of the doldrums or just to yep. push you off the plateau. Yep. You know, we've talked about going to new water, uh, trying something new, you know, reading a book that may inspire you to do something new. But I, I think another way of, uh, of uh, you know, kind of breaking through a plateau is returning to something that you've abandoned. And I have to say, for me, that was uh, streamer fishing. I, I forgot you know, a few years ago how, how I had gotten away from that. When I lived in Montana, uh, the last couple years there, I really did a lot of streamer fishing in the West Gallatin uh, River. It's actually the, the main Gallatin River, but I was close enough to the east. In fact, I lived right on the East Gallatin, and so uh, it, it, you know, it emptied into the main Gallatin. But right there, a lot of people who lived in that, just in that little community, kind of the Dry Creek community, they referred to the main Gallatin there as the West. So anyway, uh, I, I'd be on that, and, and in the fall, I would... Uh, had a friend Jerry who was really good at this, but we'd get out there and and you know the water's low and you just go from big hole to big hole and and throw a streamer in, strip it back. Boy, I caught some nice browns. But I realized, Dave, about what maybe three years ago, I had really gotten away from streamer fishing, and so we. Uh, I remember the trip that we did a lot of that. We were on Willow Creek. We were up in the Yellowstone River and. It's like, man, it's like I rediscovered something, and we caught a lot of fish, and, and I thought, man, how in the world did I ever get away from this? So it might be good just to look at what you've done and just to say, is there anything that I've done in the past that was successful, but for whatever reason, I've gotten away from it? And I think for me, it was just I, I got better at nymphing, and, and I've always liked dry, so you know, it just didn't occur to me to... to to streamer fish, even though that's the way to catch yeah, big that's trout. That's great. Return to something that you've abandoned. That's yeah. really interesting. I do think you get into a tunnel vision sometimes. Or yeah, for sure. You get tunnel vision and you just do one thing. I'm just going to nymph. I'm just going to dry fly fish. And there are some of you, that's all you want to do. I get that. So I'm not judging that. But if you're open to other things, I think maybe returning to something that you used yeah. to enjoy, mm -hmm. but for some reason, Mm -hmm. You're not doing it anymore. Another one then that we always talk about is still another way is just fishing with a guide. And, you know, we, we as we've said in the previous podcast, we only usually do this once a year and it's expensive. So you have to budget for it yep. and the, mm -hmm. and the tip, right? Right. And, yeah. and you want to, you want to tip them, uh, the guides well as well, but it's just a way to, it just pushes you in some ways. I think yeah, if you only do float trips, I think there is a bit of limitation there. But every so often doing a float trip, you know, and, and just hanging out with these tremendous experts, which are these guides. And if you ask a lot of questions and really push them, they'll really improve your game. Yeah, they will. They will. Yeah. Anything else? You know, maybe the last one, I, and this is, this is kind of a, Maybe to use a baseball analogy, if you're in a slump, how do you break out of that slump? Well, you're watching video, you're trying new things, but sometimes it's just to keep grinding. You just have to fight your way through it. And in the case of fly fishing, you just have to fish your way through it because maybe it's more about water conditions or 
or circumstances that are out of your control. So sometimes you just keep doing, I mean, in, in addition to trying some new things, you, you just stay at it. And uh, one of those days that the conditions will all come together and and uh, you'll, you'll get where you need to be. I mean, that's the thing about fly fishing plateaus. They don't last forever if you take steps to rise to the next level. The deeper core of this, though, is just this idea of so how do you sustain passion for fly fishing for yeah. a lifetime? Yeah, yeah. Because mm-hmm. you've seen people that you know who moved to the West just to fly fish, or it was one of the main reasons they moved to the West or back to Montana, but then lost it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. How do you sustain it? That's probably a different podcast, but it's yeah. part of that question is when you do hit these plateaus, I do think you either need to figure out a way to get off the plateau. And and do you think, and I, I never thought about this, this is not part of what we discussed as we yeah. prepared for this, but do you ever think that you need to take a break from fly fishing? To get off a plateau? Yeah, that's a great question. I haven't felt that way, but that's probably because you and I uh, don't do as much as we'd like. Now, right. I, I do think that's true, Dave, because the guys who I know, who I, I think of a firefighter who moved from L.A. to Paradise Valley, uh, south of Livingston. I think of another guy who was a contractor who moved from the Chicago area. Uh, I, I think they did so much of it that after a while uh, – you know, and I had so much success. It was like, well, I want to do something else. And it wasn't that they didn't like fly fishing, but they had other interests. And so I, I can see that being an issue, but I don't think I'm going to hit that. And I don't think you're going to no. hit that either. Until, we just don't fish enough days no, a year. Unless we, something changes in our lives and boy, we're fishing 100 or 150 days. And maybe it's an age thing because I see a lot of young guys, though, even some of those guides who are, you know, they're out there. 150, 200 days a year, and they they don't talk like oh, I wish I could do this a little bit less. They're they're happy yeah, for every time they get out. Yeah. So yeah, interesting stuff. Well, that's going to do it for today. Now it's time for great stuff from our listeners. This is from Joe. He offered a very important, helpful comment on our podcast on fly fishing in snake country, and this is what he wrote. He said, regarding a clean, dry dressing for snake bite. As a former EMT and LEO, I think that's law enforcement officer, he says, I seldom go anywhere without a small first aid kit. I have found that a poise pad or other feminine hygiene pads work great for covering wounds that a Band-Aid can't handle. In addition to being individually wrapped, they are super absorbent if bleeding is present. They can be held in place with tape, strap, or belt where the seemingly always present red bandana. Wow, that's yeah, good. Yeah, that really that is. is. Really I helpful. wouldn't have thought about that, but that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that comes it, from a EMT, right? Yeah, Somebody yeah, who's really. Seen a lot of blood. It really does. I know we've had some, some just big, uh, you know, some band aid packages. I think once somebody in our house had a wound, and so my wife bought some. I mean, they were just band aid brand, but they were pretty big, thick bandages and I remember sticking a couple of those in and and Joe is right you know you always have that that ever-present red bandana I think I've carried that in every hunting pack and every uh every fly fishing vest I've ever had and of course the only time I ever use it is in a blowing your nose (laughs) yeah (laughs) no the only time there's two times I've used that one 
the, the important time was, was actually to wrap a wound like that. The other time, of course, was to wear it around my head when we were, remember we were in college, <laughs> we were trying to look cool, you know, with our red bandana around our head to look like who knows what mountain, You know what I remember I about, you just triggered a thought once there was that fire. Oh, yeah. And we forest fought this fire, fire yeah. forest fire. Yeah. And I remember thinking, you know what? I, I don't really look like I fought this forest fire. So I took some of the charcoal <laughs> from the burning yeah. and I put it on my face like I had been working. <laughs> so I had this charcoal that was just caked oh, on my man. face. It was all <laughs> I know manufactured. <laughs> I know. I remember that. We thought we were big time firefighters. Yeah, it we was, were, we were it was time. up in the mountains north of Lewistown, Montana, and uh, <laughs> yeah, we were we were on a fire crew for one afternoon, for uh, maybe ninety minutes. Yeah, that, that's right. That was. Were we going out on a double that, date? That yeah, night we too? did that night. That didn't so. work out so well either, did it? It's <laughs> probably because you didn't wipe the uh, charcoal off your face, huh? Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's another story yeah. for a completely different kind of podcast. Well, we better wrap it up. That's yep. going to do it for today. Hey, what are some fly fishing plateaus you faced, and how have you broken out of them? You can let us know by commenting on this podcast link at twoguysinariver.com. Tell us some of your plateaus and the solutions you figured out to rise above them. And thank you for referring our podcast. Uh, continue to do so. That's how we grow, and we're very, very grateful for that. We also would love to hear your ideas for new episodes. You can email us uh, or text us or just reach out on Instant Messenger. One more thing, if you haven't yet purchased our book on Amazon, The Fly Fisher's Book of Lists, Life is Short, Catch More Fish, you can find that book on Amazon. Well, thanks again for listening. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. Until next time, we are Two Guys on a River. For the love of fly fishing. Thank you.